Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 308 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Locke. Locke lives in Toronto, Canada, and he is a program manager who works in product development. Welcome, Locke. Thanks for having me, Jin. I'm a huge fan, like I mentioned. I admire how much you've given back to the community, fasting community, and has really elevated the growth of IF culture. So it's such a privilege to be talking to you today. Well, that gave me a little little tingles there because I forget. I mean, you know, here I am, you know, just (laughs) doing my thing, talking to people, which I love doing. And, you know, it's the beginning of a new month. We're recording this the early April and March, just this past month that just ended. We had over 600,000 episode downloads of intermittent fasting story. I know. 
So it's like surreal. I'm like, who are all these people listening? (laughs) So Chad and I actually went out to dinner with someone who was on the podcast, Shauna, the one who plays the bagpipes, if anyone's heard that one. But they were visiting in town from New York and, you know, they like know everything about us. (laughs) It was great to meet her and her husband face to face. But Chad might be a little surprised at how much people know. But anyway, it's just between a few friends, 600,000 or so, right? (laughs) Just 6,000, you know, 600,000. <laughs> I'm grateful for every person who's listening. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, I should start off by saying that, you know, my struggle with weight and body image self-esteem was a two and a half decade long battle, right? And some days it feels like I'm still kind of in that battle. And I think that's important to hear from you because a lot of times we don't realize that men struggle with this every bit as much as women do. You know, it, it seems to be like, you know, females we've been taught to, but it, it's more and more common with men. That's true. But I knew you were going to ask this question because you ask it all the time. But so as for, as for intermittent fasting, I had to look back at my timelines in preparation for this. But I would say that my journey began back in 2017 when my friend Melody introduced me to the concept. I remember watching a short video by Dr. Jason Fung and where he described how our body uses and stores food energy and the role of insulin. I remember the analogy that he used was that we have a two storage compartment system, similar to how we use the fridge and the freezer. That's one of my favorite analogies. Share that one for us. It's such a good one. Yeah, it's such an easy, intuitive, like you immediately understood what he meant, right? So basically, it's short and long-term food storage energy, right? The fridge is where it's easy to reach for and use, and the freezer is for long-term. And sometimes you never tap into that energy for years, especially if you're someone who eats often and you never really give your your body a chance to rest. So basically, if you're eating often, you're telling your body to store fat away. (laughs) And it's stashing it away in the freezer. And it just, it's in there and you can't get to it because of insulin, like you mentioned. And so the freezer just gets piled up. You know, I'll often think you might need to have a second freezer in the basement and then a third freezer. And now your basement is full of freezers that are just getting more and more full. And you're continuing to just eat out of the fridge. The image that I had when I was watching his video was my parents used to have, I don't know if you remember those big freezers that you have in the basement. The chest freezer. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it might have a dead body in there. Yeah. Like they grocery shop on a weekly basis, like most of us, but I mean, they just keep putting, adding to it. And sometimes you discover food that you haven't seen in years. So Immediately, it made sense to me, right? Our body works in a way that it's not just the amount of calories that you eat, but it's also how often you eat and how you're telling insulin to play its role, right? Which is often known as the fat storage hormone. Anyway, so I remember that analogy that he shared. It was so, I understood it immediately and um, it made sense to me. So for the next four to five months, began that 16-8, which most people start And I lost about 20 pounds. And at that time, did you have a lot of weight that you needed to lose? I probably had about 20 to 30 pounds to lose. Yeah, it was still a certain amount. I mean, I'm only 5'7 and a half, so 20 pounds is a significant amount of weight. And you could tell. You can visually tell. And um, the other thing I, I noticed immediately as well is my energy level. 
changed drastically and my focus improved. But like most of my diet adventures, as soon as I reached that weight goal, you know, it fizzled. Now, I didn't completely stop, but I was extremely inconsistent. And sometimes I would go weeks without a proper fast. So I would say that I was off and on for about two years until the summer of 2019, when I had a really bad gout attack during my best friend's wedding in Mexico, which I was formally diagnosed with later that year by a rheumatologist. Before that, I would have gout attacks and I never knew what it was. I thought it was tied to an old injury. So how do you experience it? Is it in your toe like we always hear? You know what? Strangely... It's been everywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always say, I think I like associate gout with your toe. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, toe, knees. Uh-huh. Your joints. Even wrists. And like I said, I, I always thought that it had, had to do with an old injury. And I was that's a story I told myself for years until 2019. I was formally diagnosed. Well, I mean, needless to say, I was forced to confront my lifestyle, my diet, my physical activities. And I also began taking gout medication. It was that same period that I began taking intermittent fasting more seriously. Right. It takes sometimes like a little wake-up call. And how old were you around that time? I was uh, in my late 30s. Okay. So, you know, when you're getting to that age, I remember back then when I was in my late you see 40 coming around the corner. And then you think, okay, it's just going to go downhill if I don't take care of this now. It's just going to get worse and worse. Now is the time to really do something. Yeah, actually, you remind me how how old I am. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I turned 40 that year, actually. I turned 40 that year. So, you know, your body changes and, you know, as much as you don't, you know, want to believe it. It's true. So I took intermittent fasting more seriously, started to watch additional videos from Jason Fung and other experts. Then in 2020, I stumbled across your podcast with Melanie (laughs) and just fell in love with the discussions you guys were having. And I'm still sad that it ended last year. I know. Year. Five years was a lot of episodes. But you guys were together for a long time. We got time. a lot of content out there. You guys did. I remember listening to the wrap-up, and uh, it was so authentic. Like, you guys were like, you know, if you've been doing it for so long, you know, the chemistry was definitely there. That's why you guys lasted for so she long. She was a great friend. And I am so grateful to Melanie because I don't know if I ever would have been brave enough to start my own podcast if it hadn't been for Melanie, you, you've I'm sure heard the story how she stumbled into one of my Facebook groups and said, anyone want to start a podcast? This was 2017. So April, I guess, of 2017. And so I'm very grateful to her for getting me started. And that podcast goes on. So you guys went for five years. I didn't listen to you guys at the start. So like I said, it was around 2020 that I stumbled across that podcast. But at the same time, I also discovered this podcast. And it was immediately drawn into the, you know, the stories and the personal struggles. And it reminded me that I'm not alone. And you hear people from all walks of life. You know, some people have struggled a long time like myself. Um, but certainly, you know, it's not limited to males or females. You certainly have a wide audience. So since early 2021 and that time, I've started doing, you know, one meal a day or better known as OMAD. But my sweet spot today is 20 to 22 hours. And I do about a three to four day sort of prolonged fast every quarter. So every three months, I I do that. That can be a very powerful strategy. I've talked to a lot of people in the biohacking world that like to have a quarterly longer fast. And the key is it is a very healing thing to do. You know, it's not like a weight loss 
thing. You're we're not, you know, trying to lose fat. You're not going to lose a lot of f- quick weight from a longer fast that just stays off because as soon as you start eating again, that'll pop back up. But it's really a healing thing to do. I think once a quarter, once a season is a, a good amount of time to put between them. Definitely. And it's every time I do it, you know, you feel a sense of rejuvenation, even though I do, I regularly fast. I'm pretty consistent in the last year and a half, two years. But to do those three days, you just kind of like give your body that chance to really... Deep cleaning. Yeah, deep. I couldn't articulate it better myself. Deep cleaning. Because, you know, you learn about how much energy your body requires for digestion. That's why you always hear after eating why people lose focus, they get tired and sleepy. And it all became like, wow, firsthand experience. Like you get to see how your body works. You know, uh, I remember the first time I did it, I, I believe it or not, I was pretty audacious. The first time I, I managed to do 83 hours, I think it was. That might be the longest I've ever fasted. Maybe I did 84 one. It was before I understood, and everybody listening, if you recall, fast, feast, repeat, 72 hours is my limit recommendation unless you're under medical supervision just to be safe. But I did do like an 84-hour fast, and that was the longest I ever went. But it really it's like feels like nothing else. It really doesn't. And you're right. I, I tried to limit the 72, although earlier this year I did um, beat my personal bests. Well, this is not the fasting Olympics, everybody. <laughs> it's not. It's not an Olympics. No. Just be very, very careful because, you know, you might feel bad and, and think, oh, I can just push through it. But you really need to listen to your body. And the longer you have experience with intermittent fasting and if you do these quarterly fasts, you know when you need to stop. You brought up a really good point that we should emphasize to the audience and everyone. And I do this. I have a WhatsApp group and, um, you know, I share this with them all the time. You should listen to your body. It is so important. Everyone's so different. And there's no one prescription that's universal. You should listen to your body. And and I certainly do regular blood work as well so that I also have other markers to tell me what I'm doing. But you're right. It's not an Olympics. It's, you know, it's not a competition. And as much as I'm proud, whenever I get through one, I always tell people, hey, listen, you're all different. You know, you could feel great with a 24-hour fast. You could feel great with a 48-hour fast. It's, it's it, what you should really do is, um, you know, go back to what are your goals. You got it right there. What are your goals? And, you know, if you've got some definite healing goals, then the longer fast, 72 hours might be, you know, the right thing. Because your body really does get into some deeper autophagy, deeper cellular cleaning. It's not something to do at the beginning when you're brand new. You know, you got to build up that fasting muscle first. And, you know, we really were building up our fat burning enzymes, for example. There's so many, you know, metabolic processes that our body has to build up over the time that we're adjusting. But how, do you sleep well when you're doing a longer fast? Do you have any trouble with it? I've mixed. I mean, I most days I sleep quite well. You know, I listen to a podcast and then I'm out. You know, <laughs> like I give myself one, one hour, you know, on your iPhone, you can set it to turn off in an hour. And I mean, usually I don't I don't need that on an hour. I'm, I'm out in like... 10 minutes. So on a longer fast, you can fall asleep. No problem. I could. Yeah. yeah. That's one reason I haven't done any. I mean, I've eaten every day since I guess 2016 is the last time I did any longer fasting. I've eaten every day since then. (laughs) But it works for you, right? It works really well for me. Exactly. But I will say that there would be certain health conditions. If I were to be diagnosed with certain health conditions or certain things were to come up in my life, I would start fasting longer for the healing benefits. I would find a medical practitioner, of course, who is skilled in that. I actually, my doctor here 
is a big fan. He's holistically minded. He's functional medicine and supports fasting. So it would be nice to have that support. But hopefully I'll never have to do have to have a health diagnosis that requires extra fasting. So not that I don't like the extra fasting, but you know what I mean? I don't want a diagnosis. Anyway, like, I mean, I haven't had a gout attack since the fall of 2020. That's amazing. I wanted to circle back to that because gout is one of those things. There's like a you know, if you look at the risk factors for gout, one thing that you see if you Google it is people talk about fasting exacerbating gout. And so it can. That's why I wanted to talk about that. And I wanted to see what your experiences with it were. So once you started fasting, you never had like a, a escalation of gout early in your fasting? Like I said, my journey started in 2017, but it was on and off. I've had gout tax during those times. From my personal experience in the last two years of consistently um, fasting, it has not affected my gout. Good. Like, so you have not had gout attacks? I have not. Let me try to explain what I think, but <laughs> what I think I understand. So everybody, forgive me, I'm not a doctor, but every now and then in the intermittent fasting community, somebody will say, oh, I'm having a gout attack. Then I read about it and it said fasting makes gout worse. And it's one of those things that I think it can make it worse on the healing path. Like it, gout is caused by a buildup of whatever it is that builds up. I can't recall off the top of my head, but it builds up in your joints, the little crystals or whatever they are. Is it uric acid? Uric acid. That's okay. right. Yeah. It builds up in your joints and that's what causes the pain. And so when someone just starts fasting, it can actually cause extra buildup for a temporary, for a while, but then your body can handle it and it clears it out. And so you, it gets better. So anybody who's listening, don't let gout stop you. I know if it's painful, right? You're like, I don't want this pain. But on the other side, it may like cure it. You may not have any more attacks. In a strange way. I mean, I would never use the word cure because I do believe that our bodies are so complex. So I, I don't want to take it for granted. But for two years, that's such a phenomenal like experience. I'm proud of it. Because, you know, for two years, I worked with a rheumatologist, did blood work every few weeks. That's how closely we monitored things. And I'm proud to say that at the end of 2021, I was discharged. Awesome. So you ha were not having any more of the symptoms. Your blood work looked good. Yeah. Like she was looking at my uric acid levels and it's improved drastically. Even my HbA1c, I always stumble across that, is healthy. So it's been quite a journey. I want to circle back to what you said about cure, because that's a great point. And bodies are complicated. And it is always, when we say the word cure, if we go back to our old habits, our body will go back to how it was before. So it it's preventing your body from building up the uric acid as it had been before. But were you to stop fasting, I bet it would be back, don't you think? I do think that. And, you know, I'm no doctor. Like right, said. me neither. <laughs> this is not medical advice. Neither of us are doctors. <laughs> We're just sharing our own experiences here. And I can say that I never knew that having not have gone so long without being diagnosed for gout, that it's chronic. Like if you have it for life. Now, you can suppress the symptoms, but you'll always have that condition like somewhere but, you know, I'm proof, if anything, that you can change your life quality by making tweaks. Exactly. And to find something that stops that pain that from, from getting worse and continuing for, I mean, you were too young to have gout forever, <laughs> suffering from that, right? 
Yeah, that's another thing about gout is one of the misconceptions is that you have to be old to have gout. You know, I have a cousin who was diagnosed with gout in his 20s, late 20s. Anyone can have it. and Women can have it. We think about it typically as men, but women, can, I've known women who have had gout. See, anyone can have gout. I don't know any women that have gout, but um, certainly anyone can. I think it's it's less common for women to have it, but I have known of women to have it. Usually, though, when it comes up in the fasting community, it's someone whose husband has just started fasting and is having a flare-up, and then they've started Googling, and they're like, oh, no, I can, does this mean I can't fast? And like I said, it's that's why I wanted to talk to you about it, because you will Google and find that fasting is a risk factor, because I think it, like— causes it to, as it's clearing it out, the it's worse before better kind of a thing. So I'm just, it doesn't sound like any fun at all. And I'm hope to never have to go through that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I've gone, you know, my journey has been about six years long. I've had gout attacks in the beginning part of the journey. It could have been that my body was adjusting, you know, to this new concept of fasting because I was so used to eating so regularly. And I can't believe, like, in my lifetime, the best advice used to be to eat more meals a day. Like, five times. Like, try to eat five times or eat every, like, couple hours. I couldn't do it now. I mean, that's so foreign to me. I can't even imagine. When Cal and Kate, Cal, my son, and his wife, Kate, were here, they came last Labor Day to visit. And Cal would did a little dabbling in intermittent fasting during his college years, but now he's eating all the time. <laughs> I mean, they're they're both slim. They don't have a weight problem. It's no big deal. But I was like, y'all just ate something. Why you're having another? You're having a snack. It's almost lunch time. Anyway, <laughs> I love them. It works for them. So. Another thing I learned as well is that, you know, the more you eat, the more hungry your body, because it's so used to just consuming. <laughs> Yeah. So we're both fat in the fasted state right now, aren't we? You haven't eaten yet today? I have not eaten yet. We're both at no. 4.30 in the afternoon. Neither of us have eaten. I'll open my window later when I get home. Yeah. I'm eating with some friends later. So it's going to be a real one meal a day for me today because I, I usually open earlier than now and have like a little snack then later my dinner. But tonight I'll just have dinner and that'll be it. Same as well. And one thing I want to point out as well to your audience, which you cover all the time in all your episodes, is... It's not, for one, you mentioned it's not Olympics. It's not also a hard rule. Every day, I told you my sweet spot is 20 to 22 hours. Sometimes I go longer. Sometimes I go shorter. Especially when it's a friend that I haven't met in a very long time and he or she suggests brunch. I'm not going to turn down brunch. And I'm perfectly fine. And I think that that's what's been great about fasting is it's not a competition. Your body's okay if it was 16 hours today versus 22 tomorrow. It's more about consistency. It's about, in the long run, how are you doing? And so I said, sweet spot, most days I'm 20 to 22 hours. Sometimes I I get all the way to the 24, depending on how busy I am. And then some days I'm, I'm even longer than that. And I'm okay. My body tells me that it's okay to change it up once in a while. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, not only is it okay, but I think there's some benefits there. I remember I have a blog post about this. Can your body adapt to your fasting plan? And I wrote it in like 2017 or something. It was a long time ago. It was because I had that one meal a day Facebook group. And at the time, Jason Fung said somewhere, I don't know if it was in a blog post or on a podcast, but he said, don't do one meal a day. You will plateau. You will not lose weight. You can't lose weight with one meal a day or something, something like that. And everyone, of course, in the one meal a day group started going crazy. They're like, what? What do you mean we can't? And I'm like, no, no, stop. <laughs> he defines one meal a day as 23-1. 
and you know one plate of food and that's your one meal a day. You don't want to do 23-1 every single day for the rest of your life. Your body is more likely to adapt to anything that is exactly the same day to day. But that's not what you're doing, Locke, and it's not what I'm doing either. No, it's not. In fact, my weekends look sometimes a little different. I still most weekends get through one meal a day, but my wife loves to eat. (laughs) In fact, you know, I got her to fast for a while and these days it looks very different. (laughs) But again, that's something also worth mentioning, right? Everyone is, you know, everyone has their own goals and journey. And as much as I'm, I feel like I'm out there trying to evangelize. I see the benefit, you know, I'm a walking guinea pig. I know what it's like to experience the benefit, the massive benefits of intermittent fasting. I have blood work to show it. I have weight losses to show it. I have better skin to show it. And in fact, you know what the great thing is? I told you that it used to be a yo-yo because it was all about weight. I lose 20 pounds and I stop. What's been great about intermittent fasting? It's so much more than your weight. I mean, I think you refer to it as what, non-scale winning? Well, non-scale victories and the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. I wish I could get that into everybody's head. To You know, a, a recent analogy that I think about is brushing your teeth. Why do you brush your teeth every day? It's good for you. It's healthy. It's a healthy habit. You brush your teeth. It's a healthy thing to do. You know, why do we move our bodies? Why do we, all the healthy things we do in our lives. And I want people to think of intermittent fasting like brushing your teeth. You know, if you got a cavity, would you say, well, that's it. I'm never brushing my teeth again. That clearly didn't work. Or would you say, I'm going to stop brushing my teeth. Instead, I'm going to only floss. Brushing my teeth didn't work. I only floss now. No. You might have only brushed your teeth before, but now you're going to add the flossing because the brushing and the flossing together work better than just one without the other. And intermittent fasting, I want us to think of it as that kind of habit. Let's say you're not losing weight as quickly as you want or, you know, things aren't working like you expected. You're like, I heard all the podcasts, everybody just started, they lost all the weight. It was so easy. That's not what my experience is. I'm going to quit intermittent fasting. It's not working for me. I really think that's like stopping brushing your teeth because you got a cavity. Intermittent fasting is a healthy tool that you can then add other tools to. Pull in some flossing to keep that analogy going. But And I know the weight is the first thing that people are gravitated towards. That's why I started. It's a great sales pitch, right? You're going to lose a little. But I, now I make an, an effort to share all the other benefits that I've you know, experienced, right? To share some, you know, other ones. My clothes fit better. I think you cover it all the time. You know, it's crazy you know, I think you refer to it as body recomposition. I could weigh the same, but since fasting for the last couple of years, my clothes just fit so much better. Like, you know, and I have my honesty pants to keep me honest, right? I do it every month. It's better than any scale, I could tell you that, right? It reminds you, hey, and I think I heard in one of your recent episodes where you talked about how you have a pair of jeans that doesn't lie. Like, you could tell. I always know. <laughs> you always know if something's off. And I like to use those fun things as opposed to the scale. I mean, I still use the scale, but I'm not married to it anymore like I used to be because our body fluctuates anyway from day to day. Like five pound fluctuation is not out of the ordinary. Right. Maintenance is a range, not a one weight. 
you know, we don't lose quickly. We don't gain quickly. It just, but it, it goes, can go up and down. We don't lose or gain fat quickly is what I meant. But weight can go up and down a lot because of like what you ate. I'm probably puffy today. Last night, like I said, I had that wonderful dinner with Shauna and her husband, Rich. We had key lime pie. We actually ordered all the desserts on the menu. Like I'm not even kidding. Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> There were four of us. We ordered four desserts and we shared them. But the key lime pie was the best. At the Sea Captain's house in Myrtle Beach, I'd never had their their key lime pie, but it was the best key lime pie I've ever had in my life. But, you know, I'm certain that if I was aware, my, my weight would be up today. I had crab cakes. I had dessert. I had wine. I 8.30, we were still at the, 9. I think we didn't leave the restaurant until 9.30. I don't even know. But, you know, who cares what my weight did today? Luckily, I don't get on the scale. I don't have to know. So, Nowadays, I try to look more towards other things, energy level, how am I feeling from day to day? Obviously, there are other factors that go into uh, your energy. It could be stress. It could be things happening in your life. I'm talking about consistency. I'm talking about the bigger picture, right? Like you asked me about sleep earlier. Sleep in general has improved. I still have days where I'm tossing and turning. Maybe some, I have too much energy. It might be stress. For me, it is often related to sugar. Like <laughs> if I had too much sugar, I might not sleep well. Night before last, I slept for nine hours. I just had to share that because you know I have had a, a struggle since 2019. I'd been struggling with my sleep. And then, of course, figured out it was hormonal changes, menopause. Now I'm on the right dose for me of hormone replacement therapy. Sleeping for nine hours and then waking up at seven in the morning feels like a miracle. I'm back to my old self with sleep. Oh, that's so great. You're eating dessert. You're sleeping nine hours. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's the life. <laughs> it really, really is. But I'm, I'm glad that you're you're noticing your sleep is good most days. Stress really does play a role, though. If I've got something on my mind, I might wake up and worry about it. But other than that. Those cortisol levels, you know, sometimes can creep up on you, you know, if you have too much on your mind. Also, my skin, I feel like looks healthier. You do have nice skin. I wish everybody could see us, but they can't. <laughs> Very nice skin. So you mentioned your wife. She dabbled in intermittent fasting a little bit, but it's not for her right now. She definitely did it for a while, and I got her to do it for a good amount of time, in fact. Jen. It was for almost a year, but she was very motivated by our wedding. You know, We had our wedding last year. But you know what? To be fair, it was before our wedding that I had her, you know, because I had tried to talk her into it. Because remember, I, my journey started like six years ago. We dated five years ago. So I started before we met. At the beginning, I was quite, you know, trying to talk her into it. I get it. When you have something that you love and somebody that you, a person that you love, you want to share it. And I can understand wanting to share it aggressively, right? Because you're and like, I was Look, sharing it a lot. You need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> These days, again, when I'm looking at, when I'm panning out and looking at the bigger picture, she certainly used to eat a lot. Like when I say a lot, I mean, as soon as she wakes up, she's eating. Nowadays, I don't think it's quite that fast. I mean, she's not so quick to turning to food. She doesn't track it like she used to, like she used to do 16 to 18 hours. Nowadays, I think it's going to be closer to like 14 hours. So she's just more intuitive with her eating and not feeling like she has to eat immediately upon waking up. I think, you know, that's a, a very natural rhythm for a lot of people. Like I said, Cal, my son and his wife, Kate, they're not doing any fasting. They are feeling really good. They're also, Kate is completely a vegetarian and Cal is mostly vegetarian, but they just, you know, fuel their bodies throughout the day. They don't have any excess weight. They're very active. They're happy. But I do know if they did start to struggle as they got older, they would have that tool of intermittent fasting that they would probably pull out and start using. But they're healthy. They're metabolically healthy. And so 
you know, hopefully they will always be. You know, when someone thinks of you, they would think that everyone around you is fasting, but it's great to know that, you know, it's not the case. And certainly as much as I'm so enthusiastic about this community and it's done so, so much wonders for my life. If someone's willing to listen and someone's curious, I will always tell them. Let me tell you about insulin, right? You know? <laughs> They're like, what? I'm not diabetic. Why are you telling me about insulin? When you think of insulin, you think of diabetes, right? But no, it's, it's, we all have insulin <laughs> as our own. And, you know, you get to tell it what to do for most of us, at least. Yeah. And fasting is just the best thing to get that down. Yeah. Have you read Why We Get Sick yet? I bet you have. Have you read that one? No, I've not. Well, you got to read that one. That yeah, You would like it. Why We Get Sick, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, it's all about insulin and what high levels of insulin do in our bodies. And it really, it like, he connects having high levels of insulin to, like, everything, all these health conditions and, you know, things that people are, are suffering from all over the place, everywhere we turn, it has to do with, with constant high levels of insulin. And, you know, if we look back, I'm a little older than you, but I'm sure remember when you were little, people were not snacking all the time. Like they are, like you have seen it escalate over your lifetime, right? It has. The world of commerce is built on it, right? Encouraging you to eat more. So we get it. It's hard. And that's another thing that I want to say to people. Like it's gotten easier over the years, especially when you built it into a lifestyle. But it's, you can have a hard day or a hard month or a hard week. The key is to really understand your why. Why are you doing it? For me, it certainly has a lot more to do with weight now. It's about having a healthier lifestyle. It's about feeling better, being my best self when I'm with my loved ones. Uh, it's being my best self and showing up at work, you know, with better energy and focus. You know, ever since I've done, you know, OMAD, I feel like I'm getting through the day so much easier, right? I, I don't have those lulls in the middle of the day because I, I don't eat. And someone like myself, who my job is mostly meetings Ugh. <laughs> and leading them and leading uh, them. You got to be on. You got to be mentally I sharp. I got to be on. I got to be sharp. I'm facilitating. I'm asking questions. I'm digging into things, right? It's been such a great tool. You can use the word tool. I'm going to borrow it. It's been such a great tool for just to have a better life and better, healthier life. And then my body will tell me, like, when, say, I've fallen off for a couple of days and I haven't been fasting at least 16, my body would tell me, hmm, something's off. <laughs> you know, give it some rest. So let's go back in time a little bit because I wanted to explore this. You mentioned at the beginning that really you had, you know, two and a half decades, you know, 25 years where you struggled with body image and your weight. Tell us about when did that begin for you? How did it manifest itself? You're, you're 5'7", so, you know, a few extra pounds really do show up differently on a smaller frame if you're really tall. So when did this begin for you? I would say probably in my teens, my early teens. Believe it or not, I was born underweight, as according to my parents. I was born like six pounds. I don't know if that's considered underweight, but I was definitely very small. I was also very small. Same thing. I was probably right around six pounds. But I also struggled with a lot of things in school, right? I mean, trying to find my way, figuring out my identity and, and who I was. And through that, you know, that struggle, you turn to food. I know it's quite a cliche, but you do. I mean, it's one thing that when you want to distract yourself, you eat because it kind of fills up the time. It draws your attention to something else. And I would say that becomes addiction 
to food. And the more I grapple with self-esteem, the more I lean onto food. And it, like I said, just like that um, over two and a half decades. And certainly during that time, lots of up and down weight. I've lost, I remember the first time I lost a lot amount of weight was probably in my late teens. I was still in university. Midway through my university, I had lost like 25 pounds. It's always something, right? Like that reminds you in your life. Either it's, oh man, like I don't like the way I look or I don't like the way I feel. And you find that motivation for that short period of time. And I think it was for an entire summer. Like I decided to eat just like, do you remember the George Foreman grills? I do remember the George Foreman grills. Those were fantastic. I did too. And I cooked my chicken breast in it. And I would eat that and pairing with some type of veggie for the entire summer. And I lost like 20 pounds or something. Oh, yeah. I was cooking burgers on my George Foreman grill. I was making the burgers. Turkey yeah. burgers. I was picking turkey burgers. Well, I know. Them. I never fell victim to turkey burgers. Because, but I would get very, very lean ground beef and eat those. And they had the little lines. You would grill on there. And it would the juice would run out. I remember that. You had the little drip pan. That's so funny. So you lost 25 pounds that summer. Yeah, it was like late teens. I think I must have been like 19 or 20 at that point, maybe 20. Um, I was close to that age. And then, like I said, I hit 20 pounds and I'm like, whoa, everyone notices and I'm done. And, you know, a few years go by and you gain that weight all back. And then you're in that cycle again. Oh, man, I got to lose. And up and down, up and down. Right. And then I remember in my mid 20s, turning quarter century, I was like, I got to look great. And then you go on a diet again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you go on all the all sorts of crazy diets. You know, I mean, I told you about the summer where it was all chicken breasts. And, you know, back then I had no knowledge about carbs, macros. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I knew that I ate chicken breasts, you know, because my body was re- responding to it weight wise. It was telling me that it's working. And then in my mid-20s, that's when I started to learn the role of carbs and sugar. So you would cut out all of it. As much as you love it, I cut out because I want. I had this goal, right? I got to lose another 20 pounds. And you, you get to it. And then, again, the cycle continues, right? But I think it has a lot to do with not understanding that clear why. And I know I always refer back to it, is why do you do something? You know, if you want it to sustain over a long period, you actually have to look yourself in the mirror and, and ask those tough questions. And you ask it five times, like, why? Why are you doing this? You know, it can't just be for looks. It can't just be for weight. That's when you start thinking about, um, so, you know, it was not too long ago that I was started to be really crystal clear on my why, right? Just a few years ago. And that changes everything, doesn't it? When the why is not just weight loss, Weight loss can be part of the why. I don't want anyone to ever feel guilty that weight loss is part of your why, but your why needs to be beyond. I mean, I could tell you, Locke, 10 ways, 100 ways, I don't know how many ways to lose weight more quickly than intermittent fasting. I was the queen of those, lose weight quick. Did any of them stick? Not a one. (laughs) Not one stuck. Not a one. So, Especially when you're restricting food, what I find is that food is a social thing. Right. I mean, I have a lot of friends who we celebrate around food. You have different, almost every religion or ethnic cultures are built on food, right? Like there's different dishes culturally around the world. So to restrict it 
is against our nature. You're right. I love that you just said that because feasting days are part of every culture, every religion, and they're not like guilty. It's, you're not like you have your feasting day and then you're sad. No, you have the feasting day as a celebration and you don't feel guilty about it. You're embracing the bounty and the blessing, the food that you've got. So then it's about, well, you can't be eating all the time, right? I mean, it's supposed to be a celebration. Celebrations don't happen every single moment of your life, right? It's about eating and, and doing it in ways that allow yourself to, your body, and I think I mentioned it before, allowing your body to rest so that when you are enjoying food, and it counts. It's something you can enjoy as opposed to something you, you resent, which for a long time, I resented food, right? I get it. No religion or culture has a feast day every single day. <laughs> As you know, it's not every day. They have periods of less eating. They have a lot of them have fasting in there. So do you eat all the foods now? You eat, eat everything? Or do you have like a way that you describe your eating? For the last couple of years, my wife and I have, you know, really started to focus more on our diet. We're still figuring it out. There's no perfect day. I'm making incremental changes. What I mean by that is, I don't think there's a single food group out there that I've cut out completely. There's no, unless I don't enjoy it, then it's just never hits my plate. It's never been part of my life or very sports. But now we no longer gorge or binge. We try to moderate it. And again, you know, I try to be kind, I try to practice kindness towards ourselves. If we have those days where we're having a nice night and we're enjoying some popcorn and gummy bears, or we're not going to be so hard on ourselves because it's not about what you do that one evening. It's about what do you do every day on a consistent basis. So we try to be mindful of being healthier, but also not restricting ourselves to a point where we resent food. And I think I mentioned that, resenting food. How could something I am addicted to at times be something I resent and it's because I correlated food to weight gain and how I look and how I feel. But I think that there's a way to enjoy food and still be mindful. Yeah, you can enjoy it and still be mindful at the same time. I think that's really important. So tell me about Melody that told you about it. Is she still fasting? Are you still connected with her? She is, yeah. I mean, like she's moved away to the United States to be with her boyfriend. But uh, I've connected with her recently about it. I'm like, hey, do you still fast? She's like, yeah, very much so. But for her, she's stuck to the 16 or 17 hours. And she said it works for her. But she looks great. She's a flat egg and she's quite healthy in general. And she's a bit younger than me as well. So when I tell her I go 22, 23 hours, she thinks it's... That's a lot. Yeah, she's for crazy. To her. No, <laughs> just a little bit more. It's not much more. If you can do 17, you can do 22. That's what, you know, a lot of people get stuck at like, like 16. Like, for example, 16 is a place people will get stuck because when they get to 16, their stomach growls and they're like, well, I guess I need to eat. And then they eat. And then the next day at 16, guess what happens? Stomach growls, then they eat. But I'm like, look, if you just don't eat at 16, see what happens. It's not going to get worse. Hunger doesn't build and build and build and build. If you can do 16, you can do 17. And if you can do 17, you can do 18. And if you can do 18, you can do 19. <laughs> not on day one, but. Yeah, not on day one. But yeah, no, absolutely. Based on my experience, some of my prolonged fasts, I found that if I want to go for that long fast, once I hit 30, 
it's pretty easy the rest of the way. Yeah, because your body is full on fat adapted. It is running on the fuel <laughs> that's there. And it's like, all right, this is what we're doing now. In fact, that gives me a minute to talk about the up day. A lot of people who do like a 36-hour fast or 42-hour fast with the alternate daily fasting, they have a really hard time on the up day after the down day. They'll wake up and they're just not hungry, like you said. And so they're like, well, well, Jen has taught me to listen to my body. And so I shouldn't eat if I'm not hungry. I'm like, okay, accept this. <laughs> this is your body is not. It could keep going. We need to stop. Don't wait till you get hungry because it might not get hungry for two more days. And the goal is after the down day, you want to have an up day. So on the up day, we are not waiting for hunger. This little lesson I'm pulling in there. <laughs> it's funny you say that because sometimes when I do those prolonged fasts, I plan it so that there's an event with food at the end of it. Now that I've done it a few times, I, I notice I'm excited to see my friends. I'm excited for the event. But the food aspect of it, my body almost like legs. It's like my mind is like, hey, you're going to eat with your friends now. And my body's like, do you have to, though? You're so deep in the fat burning state that your body is just chugging along happily. And so you would think you'd be like, you know, ravenous and shoving in the food. But instead, your body's like, no, I'm good. I've adapted to this, which is why I tell people who are doing alternate daily fasting, start earlier in the day than you think. Because <laughs> if you wait till hunger, you won't have time for a full up day. And that's the one time I don't want someone to listen to their body, which I know is <laughs> hard to hear because I always say, listen to your body. But if you've been fasting for 36 hours and you're like, I'll just wait till I'm hungry, it might not happen. Which is quite counterintuitive, right? People might assume, you know, that uh, you fasted for so long, you can't think about it. In fact, I mean, especially when I'm busy, I don't think about food at all in my mid fasting. So I actually struggle more around two or three in the afternoon than I do. Like right this minute, it's almost five. And I'm just like, I could keep fasting for, there's no more wanting to eat till I start cooking. And then I'll, of course, enjoy my dinner. Like I said, I eat every day. But it's that that wave of hunger right around whatever hour that is that hits me at two o'clock, three o'clock, where I'm like, oh, I'm not really doing anything I could eat. I think we're the same. Two or three is also around the same time when my body tells me, you're hungry. <laughs> you can eat. One day this weekend at 1.30, my body said, you are hungry. You will eat. And I was like, okay. I ate at 1.30, which is very unusual for me. But I was it was a different kind of hunger. So I ate. <laughs> You're listening to your body, right? Yeah. I was listening to my body and it felt good. So you mentioned that you've had some blood work, came back positive. Your A1C, you've seen, what's some of the health benefits you've seen actually on paper? A1C is one of them. Yeah, A1C, uric acid, I think I mentioned as well, because of gout, that was consistently on it. There were a few others. I don't remember the names. They're so long. But because I have the app, the blood clinic had got me to download, I get to see it. And it's so great when you're so on top of your blood work. It's almost like a, um, you know, a celebration in of itself when you get to see how it's progressed over the months and years. For me, I mean, it was so much better than the weight loss. Because the weight loss is that one moment like, oh my God, I got here. But when you see the blood work and the medical professionals are telling you that you're doing great, it lasts a lot longer. I can tell you that. It really does. I remember when I had my first appointment with my new medical practitioner, the functional medicine doctor, I was meeting with his nurse practitioner. And the nurse practitioner was like, you're not on any medication at all. I'm like, no. <laughs> 
for someone my age, that's very unusual. And as as you get older, you're going to see that too. You know, you go to the doctor, you're going to be like one of the healthiest patients they have. They're going to be like, what's up with you? Why are you so healthy? Because that's not the norm. It's certainly not. And, you know, I'll reveal something else as well is when you have gout, one of the medications that they prescribe to you is something called allopurinol. It's quite known. Have you look into it? It's a common drug. Several months ago, I, I decided to stop using it for a while just to see how my body reacts. And I'm not recommending this to everyone, but for myself, I've been doing fasting consistently for two years. I was like, okay, I've been discharged from my rheumatologist. She tells me I should be taking it for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, because that's the, that is the paradigm they're used to. Once you're on a medication, your body is not going to get any better. You need that medication forever. So I'm here to tell you that now I, I, I still take it now and again. I'm not, I haven't stopped it completely, but for three months or so, I stopped using it. No gout attacks. Like that completely shocked me. I was surprised. I mean, even when I was doing fasting and I was getting tests, my uric acid took a long time. It took those two years to really taper down. So I was surprised for three months I was able to get away without taking allopurinol and not get a gout attack. That told me that my body has really gone through a transformation through fasting. I think so, definitely. So is there anything that you struggle with? Well, food. <laughs> food is delicious. I have a sweet tooth and I like everything that's bad for you. But these days, I mean, so there are two things that if you ask my wife, she'll tell you what I love. I love fried chicken <laughs> and I love sweets, you know, like candies. If you ask me how often I eat fried chicken, not very often. I mean, that's another thing. Like when you clear on your why, when you are creating a healthier lifestyle and habit, things you enjoy, you'll still enjoy them. That's the one thing. But your dependency on it has shifted. Like there's no longer that addiction. I love fried chicken, but I'm not addicted to it. I love candies, but I'm not addicted to it. Very different experience the first 30 years of my life, right? So... And I agree with you, but having that powerful why is really important. In fact, in my my new book that's coming out in December, the 28-Day Fast Start Day by Day. You have a new book. I do have a new book. It's coming out in the 28-Day Fast Start Day by Day. I'm so excited. And it's it's a for people who are starting out, it walks them through every single day. There's a little something to read, and they're checking some things off. But before they start, before the beginning, I, I realized some people need a little more support during the fast start than just here's fast, feast, repeat, go. You know, there's a lot in fast, feast, repeat. It's a little intimidating for some people. People still are going to need fast, feast, repeat. But this will really be good to hand like to a friend who isn't going to read a whole big book. But at the beginning, before they start, I have them craft their why. And I have like some things, you know, some common things to put in there. Of course, weight loss is one of them, health benefits, things like that. But then there's places for them to write what they want. And then they create a why statement that I want them to come back to and think about. Because if your only why is weight loss, you are less likely to stick with it. Just like you talked about every time you lost the weight, you would quit what you were doing because you got to your goal. And I don't want people to think of intermittent fasting as simply something you're doing for weight loss. It's great to have that in there because everyone wants to feel good in their body. But it, if your goal is more powerful than just the number on the scale, you are more likely to be successful long-term with intermittent fasting. That's what I've noticed from people. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jenny. Certainly taking myself as an example. And me too. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, that's, I don't think you could say it enough. 
start with your why. Right? Really take the time to understand what is the life that you want to build, right? And how can fasting support it? Right? You and I could sit here and and your countless thousands of other uh, you know audiences uh, and community members can tell you that clear why is what got them through those tough times. If one of your whys for me is spending more quality time with my family and want to be healthy while you're doing it, you're unlikely to, you know, fall for multiple days and weeks, right? You might have a bad day, but your bad day would quickly be reminded by your good why. So I would say start with a good why and start small. I told you I had a WhatsApp group. One of the first things I always tell them is start where you feel comfortable. Honestly, 12 hours, 13 hours, 14 hours. Do it consistently for three, four weeks and then add to it. Add one hour, one, two hours, and you'll be surprised. Like I have some members in there. I'm so proud. Like one was able to get to 24, 26 hours like one time. And you know, I remember when she first joined the group, she was like, there's no way I can do this. It's so hard. I'm hungry already. You would hear, because we would chatter, chatter, chatter. And by like hour 15 or 16, they're like, how do you do it, Locke? I'm hungry. And I'm like, believe me, it takes some time. It takes time because you used, your body is used to that old way of eating. It's going to take some time to get used to the new way. But let me tell you, the benefits are going to far outweigh the struggles that you go through, and it's going to be worth it, right? So I tell people, start small and be kind to yourself. Well, Locke, I have so enjoyed meeting you today and talking to you, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege and honor to talk with you in person here. I know everyone else can't see us, but it's so (laughs) great to put a face to all those podcasts really, for me, has gotten me to where I am today in the last two years. It's because of your podcast. Well, thank you. Honestly, I listen to it religiously. I just, I said before we started, I can't believe that I get to do this as work. It doesn't feel like work. You know, love, love your, what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. That's how I feel. So thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.